Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea, and let's get cosmic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what is going to be, I think, a very important episode for us all, whether you are preconception or maybe already pregnant, or even if you are just in your motherhood season and trying to maintain your own nourishment and therefore the nourishment of your family. The goal of this episode is going to be to simplify and demystify what it takes to be truly nourished on a budget and off a diet. Uh, So it's going to be very uh, exciting for us to have this discussion, I think. But before we get into that, I want to thank Tiffany for being our newest patron of the podcast. If you also would like to support the show, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for $11 a month. You get access to all the podcast bonus material, past, present, and future, as well as my Cosmic Conception Diaries, in which I am outlining for you my own very personal and unique preconception experience there, as well as the monthly AMAs over on Substack. Uh, We recently, most recently did one about prenatal vitamins and why you may not want to take them. So that will probably also come up a little bit in this episode episode as well. So yeah, let's just get right into it. I want to preface this by saying that my motivation for making this episode is that there is a lot of noise and chatter out there about what the best diet is and nutrient-dense food and ancestral eating and fertility diets and all of this kind of stuff. And as somebody who has been deeply immersed in diet culture for a very long time, probably since I was, I don't know, 16 or so, um, obviously through the lens of someone who had disordered eating. But of course, now that I have pulled away from that, I can see that the predominant culture itself is immersed in disordered eating. So it was really no wonder that I had such a hard time uh, understanding what it meant to be nourished, particularly when I was coming out of, you know, this intense healing expression of starvation and purging and blah, 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 and then trying to just understand how to eat again, like learning how to eat food all over again. Um, So I've kind of been through this terrain and and I've seen the trends, right, of this is the best diet and then five years later, no, 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 this is the best diet. And each year, everyone seems to feel more and more entitled 
to their diet and believing that it is the diet and feeling very strongly that all other humans need to also adhere to their diet because it is the correct one. And I also am noticing that this is happening as well, even in the ancestral nutrient-dense realm where women are, particularly women, and I'm sure maybe, maybe men are doing this too, but it's just I'm not in that world, where I'm noticing that women are sort of not shaming. I don't like that word. I think it's not used correctly, but like kind of like putting down women who are clinging to vegetarian or vegan diet dogma as being the way. And now that this new wave of women have have come forth discovering ancestral eating and nutrient-dense eating and fat and protein and all of this kind of stuff, now they are the new, you know, tiara queens of the diet dogma. And if you don't eat meat and fat, you are just going to wither away and your pussy's going to sag and you're not going to have babies and you can't even participate in their offerings unless you agree to eat the ancestral diet. And I personally am just shocked that Nobody seems to be calling out the blatant irony in this dramatic turn of events that it's not okay to be judgmental and to hold dogma about your vegan diet or your vegetarian diet, but it is absolutely okay to hold dogma around your precious ancestral diet. And I just felt like maybe everybody needed a little bit of air, needed a little bit of space away from this kind of approach to nourishment. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a conversation about our nourishment without being told what to eat? Like at all, like not a single food group, not a single approach, not even pro metabolic, which is like, I can't, I, okay, I'm not going to get into it. Just wouldn't it be nice (laughs) if we came into the conversation from a different angle? And so that is my intention in having this discussion with you today to have a, take on a whole different approach to how you can be truly nourished regardless of what it is that you choose to eat. Okay, so we're going to attempt to do this together and maybe you will agree with me by the end that this is possible and maybe you will not. We'll see. The other angle that I'm taking on in having this conversation is doing so on a budget. Okay, it's no question that everybody is aware of what is going on with inflation and with people's jobs and just etc. all this other kind of, you know, turmoil going on. I mean, you, you you can't even buy a carton of eggs without being like, what the fuck happened? So it's, it, and, and uh, along with all of this ancestral nutrient dense, blah, 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 especially the whole supplement, every single effing podcast you listen to is like, and today we are going to sell you colostrum in a plastic bottle capsuled from then like okay you guys 
you don't need any of this stuff. All right, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but it's just like it, it can feel like you can't possibly keep up. <laughs> like, like, how are you supposed to have enough money for all of this stuff? How are you supposed to have enough money for the bones and the steak and the liver and the pills and the supplements and the blue light blocking glasses and the infrared light and the like colostrum and the raw milk. And like, it's just like, oh my God, like that's so, it's so disempowering and it can feel really overwhelming to feel like you have to spend 500 plus dollars a week at the market just to be able to be fully nourished. All right. So, and, and, you know, if you know my story, if you've been following along, you know that my family recently went through a massive financial collapse. Like, no money, no nowhere to live, no like prospect of a job, you know, like just just like total financial collapse. Um, and so I know what it's like to feel like you don't know how you're gonna feed your family, okay? and I and I know what it's like to, yeah, just just struggle with that whole kind of paradigm. So, I also understand that financial stress and financial well-being, and I understand this now because of what I went through, is so intrinsically connected to your overall well-being, not to mention your stress levels, how your body responds to you know, everything else going on in your life because it's already on this like low-level, like fight-or-flight kind of experience. And it can massively disrupt your nourishment, which we're going to talk about. So it's really important to me also that you understand how to take financial responsibility for your life, and in this case specifically, for your nourishment. Okay, so I hope that sets you up for understanding where I'm coming from, (laughs) all right? So we're going to start by kind of going through the financial uh, literacy part of this conversation, the doing it on a budget part of the conversation. And then we're going to get into the how to be truly nourished part of the conversation. So if you want um, kind of like an itemized list of everything that I'm going to be guiding us through the paying supporters of the show will have access to that in the show notes. So if you go into the show notes and tap the link to the bonus material, you will get taken to the itemized list of all of the tips that we're going to go through in this entire conversation. I know some people don't want to listen to all the little, you know, um, embellishments and stories around all the bullet points, or they just want to just, you know, visually see all the bullet points so they can kind of integrate them into their um, consciousness. And it's just easy for easy referencing, you know, after the fact and stuff like that. So yeah, if you want access to that list, it will be available in the show notes for paying supporters and will live in the bonus content library for as long as this show exists. Okay, so let's get started with step one, financial literacy. How do we do this on a budget? So the first tip is not sexy at all. And it's huge for me to even be talking about it. It is that I am going to encourage you to sign up for as much aid as you can, primarily meaning SNAP, 
and WIC. So if you don't know what these programs are, they are government programs that have been created. I don't know what the history is, but you know, supposedly they are supposed to help low income families um, with financial assistance so that they can buy food. They're a little bit different. SNAP is going to actually give you a debit card um, with monthly a monthly stipend, essentially, that you can use at any store and sometimes even farmer's markets and stuff that take SNAP. And you can pretty much spend this money on whatever you want as long as it's a food or beverage item. WIC is a little bit more restrictive. Um, it's... You know, the you only have a certain lists of food. Oh, and it's WIC stands for Women, Infant, and Children. So that one is particularly relevant for you if you already have uh, an infant or child. You need one of those <laughs> in order to qualify. Uh, and then it allows you to buy certain um, foods off of a list. Uh, they do give you a, I think, $26 stipend every month to spend on produce. And you can use that stipend to buy organic produce if you want. Other than that, a lot of the other food items on there are probably not of qu- the quality that the women in this audience would want to buy. Some things are better than others. It's it's not um, it's not the best program, but it does give you a little bit extra. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to do this is because when my family came back to live with my partner's parents in New Jersey after our um, whole you know uh, what's it called intentional community kerfuffle, you know, um, and had literally nothing left but credit card debt. Um, I was told by like, I think it took two people for me, like if something comes into my awareness twice in a row in very a short period of time, that is my cosmic nudge to just go ahead and look into it already. So after we came back and had nothing, I was told by two separate friends that we should really look into signing up for these programs. And I was extremely resistant because, you know, I never imagined in my life that I would need these programs to honestly, I thought I was above them. I was used to living a very quasi, you know, glamorous life in New York, making six figures for quite a while before I jumped off the cliff into um, (laughs) the the unknown abyss that I chose to jump into. And I just never imagined myself to be in this position. I never imagined that I would need government assistance. I also had a lot of resistance to accepting government assistance just by my personal values in not believing in or supporting government as we know it today. Uh, And I'm sure there are a lot of women in my audience who feel the same way. To that, I will say, until the government stops stealing your money, I implore you to do everything you can to get it back in any way that you can. Um, and don't bother hemming and hawing over whether or not it means you're not in integrity with your values because, like I said, until they stop taking your money from you um, illegally, then you have every right to do what you can to get as much of it back as possible. Um, so yes, it was a huge um, 
learning experience for me and required a lot of humility. And in the end, I was so grateful that I did sign up for them because we would not have been able to accomplish all that we did um, have been accomplishing in this past year without those programs. So if you think that you might qualify, uh, please look into them. I'm going to put a link to those resources in the show notes. So that is kind of um, step one for you. Okay, but it might not apply to the majority of you. So moving on to step two, you have to establish a budget, (laughs) okay? You can't do anything on a budget unless you have a budget. (laughs) Otherwise, the budget is anything, it's whatever your emotional body decides to spend its money on in the moment, right? So in order to um, buy food on a budget, you have to establish a budget. So I really encourage you actually then to take this into your entire um, way of life and establish budgets for really anything that you are spending your money on, not just food. Uh, If you are very new to the realm of budgeting, my family got introduced to budgeting and other forms of financial literacy through... Uh, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's work. If it doesn't align with you to receive education from someone like that for whatever reason, uh, there are plenty of there are plenty of health or not health, uh, financial coaches, if you will, out there, especially YouTube tons. There's tons of YouTube channels, even on just women like showing you how they put together their cash envelope budgets every month and like stuff like that, right? So um, yeah, I'll, again, I'll put, I'll make sure to include links to all the stuff that I'm talking about in the show notes where I think of it. But yeah, so we, we want to actually establish a budget. So um, the other thing too, of course, because this is something that I did for a long time, is that I would establish a budget and then I would not adhere to the budget. (laughs) I would not hold the budget. Um, That's a Seinfeld reference. So if you are not adhering to your budget, if you are finding that every month you say, okay, I, this is what the budget is going to look like for my family. And then every month goes by and you just don't stick to it at all. I encourage you to look at why that is. Okay. Cause oftentimes there are emotional triggers or psychological triggers behind why we can't stick to a budget. Sometimes it's just that it's not, um, it's not in, it's not tangible for you. Right. That's why like a lot of people, People like putting cash in envelopes. So if you say we're going to spend $600 a month on food, then you literally go to the bank whenever you get your paychecks or however you do your finances and actually put that cash into envelopes and then pay for your food with the cash in the envelopes. Um, if you're very advanced, in meaning you have a lot of control over your finances and you don't have to worry about overspending and you are a credit card person, which I don't think most people are, but if you are, you can also use specific cashback cards and stuff like that to just only put groceries on or what have you, keep track of how much money you're spending. Um, for me, I feel like that is a little bit more like advanced right? Like that's like, like you have to like level up to that place. Um, we certainly started out with cash envelopes exclusively in my family when we were kind of like reprogramming our relationship to, uh, money. So that's where we started. And then we kind of graduated to back to using my 
cashback credit card. Um, and of course, like you know, we're also on Snap and Wick. And so for us, how we manage that looks a little bit um, different. So, so yeah, so you want to establish your budget. And then if you don't adhere to the budget, you want to identify why so that you can start to address that root cause of why the budget isn't being adhered to. Now that could be, this could be a whole separate episode and it's not really related to, well, it is, but it's not really related to what we're talking about today. So we're not going to go into all the details. Okay. So that's kind of step one. So next you want to Put some effort into price checking, okay? Shop around. Don't be afraid to go to one grocery store one weekend, save the receipt, visit another market the next weekend, compare the receipts, that kind of thing. You want to see where you can get the best deal. And sometimes this is almost in a way like a never ending um, experience, especially if you live in a more population dense place or even like, um, like I said, we're in New Jersey right now. So it's kind of interesting because it's really population dense, but it's also really like farmland dense. So it always seems like there's like a new farm to check out or a new market to visit. Um, And it's kind of part of the fun, right? We don't want this to be stressful. Remember what we said in the beginning, stress is going to kill your nourishment capacity. So it's it can be an adventure, right? An adventure in price checking groceries. (laughs) Okay, so make sure that you shop around and you compare. Um, where you can get the best deals on things, especially more expensive stuff. And we all kind of, you know, know what that is, right? Like eggs and the fats and the meats and all of that kind of stuff. But really any anything, anything you can um, start gaining awareness of how much money you're spending on those things and then start price checking. So the next tip is that when you are price checking, make sure you are looking at the unit price, Okay, if you go to most grocery stores, sometimes not the littler markets, but definitely the bigger grocery stores, their price tags have two, generally have two numbers on them. There is the giant number that tells you how much the whole item costs. Let's say olive oil. I do this a lot with olive oil, price checking olive oil. So like if you might see like a big number on a bottle of olive oil that says like $30 or whatever. But what you actually want to look at is the unit price, which is the tiny number to the left of it. Usually it'll be a smaller number to the left or the right that will tell you how much it costs per ounce. Or depending on what the item is, it could be per ounce or per pound. Um, I think those are usually the two most common. Usually it's unit price per ounce or per pound. So let's just have an example. Let's say you have a 10-ounce bottle of oil on a shelf and it costs $5.60. And you're comparing it to a 16-ounce bottle next to it that costs $8. You might say, oh, well, I'm going to buy the $5 bottle because obviously it's cheaper than $8. But if you actually look at the unit price and compare the unit price, you're going to see that the oil in the 10-ounce bottle actually costs more than the oil in the 16 ounce bottle per ounce. So in this example, the 10 ounce bottle will cost 56 cents per ounce of the actual oil itself, where in the 16 ounce bottle, it only costs 50 cents per ounce of the oil itself. 
So do you see how the the price tag on the the item itself is kind of deceiving. What you what you want to be looking at are those unit prices because that's going to tell you where you're actually going to be saving the most money. So whether or not you're comparing meat by pound or oil um, by ounce or potatoes by pound, right? Like whatever it is, you want to figure out the unit price for these items. And you'll especially be looking at that when you buy in bulk. So that is our next tip. My next tip is to get familiar and kind of rearrange how you spend money so that you can buy in bulk. Now, I do this primarily through Azure Market. I'm going to put my link to that market in the show notes. I, I have an affiliate link, but I don't really know if I receive anything from that. <laughs> but I'm not really sure, but click on it anyway <laughs> if, you, if you want to. Um, if you want to check it out, no extra cost to you um, to see what Azure is all about. I pronounce it Azure. I've heard other people say Azure, but like I can't, my mouth doesn't want to do that. So we're calling it Azure in this show. Um, Azure Market is a marketplace where you can buy a whole host of things in bulk And in order to acquire those things, you have to look for a drop-off site that is near you. Now, I have pretty much been able to find a drop-off site for Azure no matter where I've lived. Um, Depending on where you live, you might have to drive 30 minutes to go um, to wherever that is. Uh, But this is where we start reevaluating our priorities, right? So, Um, Theoretically, if you have to drive 30 to 60 minutes out of your way to go pick up food, it might feel like you're spending a lot of money on gas. But if you are buying a month's plus worth of food in that one trip and all of that food is at a discount because you're buying it in bulk, you're probably going to save money in the end anyway. Um, depending on what kind of car you drive and all this kind of stuff. So just, you know, you can always do the math if you you're you want to get geeky about it. But basically, Azure Market, you can place a, an order for food in bulk and there's drop-off locations that you can go pick up the food at and you do this once a month. And you can buy everything from like dried goods to crates of olive oil and jugs of vinegar and um, herbs. They also have herbs by the pound too. Not a lot, but a lot of the common ones that we think of when um, we're making things like infusions and stuff like that. And you and you obviously want a lot to, you know, want to buy those herbs in bulk anyway. So that's also really convenient. Um, so yeah, this is a really great resource. And if you want to do the price checking, you'll start to, you'll be able to see how much money you can save. Uh, and there's different degrees, right, to buying in bulk with Azure. So uh, you can totally just buy the single bottle of olive oil for like maybe a little bit less than you would get at your local market. Or you can just go all in and spend $80 on a huge crate of olive oil, but it's going to last you like six months or something like that. You know, obviously, this is also a really great way to um, just have more food in in your house, right? Uh, not in like a weird prepper way. It, it shouldn't be considered weird, but you know what I mean. Like this is <laughs> this is just what um, 
our ancestors in America, at least, were familiar with doing, um, just having more food in the house, especially during war times and stuff like that, because we didn't have so much seemingly available, right? And of course, that illusion kind of fell apart during 2020 when people were panic buying and stuff like that. Um, and there's all kinds of kind of scary uh, statistics out there, like, oh, America only has like three to five days worth of food on the shelves in the grocery stores. Like if if all food deliveries and imports stopped happening tomorrow, the grocery stores would be empty in like a week, basically. Like so it's like it's it's this, this illusion, right? It's an illusion of having access to security and food and it really just isn't real. So I think a lot of um, people in the audience are, you know, familiar with that mindset and um, obviously, like I said, what happened in 2020 and everything. So whether or not you're saving money or you're just trying to be more responsible, right, for yourself and for your family to not have only a week's worth of food in your house, this is going to be a really great uh, tool for you. I know like the in-person version of Azure is like Costco, I guess. I've never been to Costco. I am personally extremely sensitive to environments um, and feeling like a, you know, an industrial farm animal. <laughs> so I, I don't like to go to places like that. I'm like much happier um, doing my Azure pickup every month. And you get to meet people. You can possibly meet like, like-minded like folks at the Azure pickups. Um, they're all going to be local to you, right? A lot of them have similar values in um, everything that we're talking about here. So it's also a great way to, to meet people, but whatever, you know, whatever works for you, whatever is near you. So that's my other tip is to then, uh, kind of graduate into buying in bulk. And like I said, this might take a little bit of like reprioritizing how you spend your money because it's like, okay, yeah, um, you're not going to be, buying overpriced, I keep using the example of the olive oil at the market every every week or every other week, but you are going to have to spend a significant amount of money up front to have it at a discount for the next several months. Does that make sense? So you, you might, it might, you might have to start slow in what you weave in how you're buying things. Okay. The other um, tip that is not like as life-changing, but I I will put it in here. And again, um, I have an affiliate link for this um, site. Most of you have probably heard of it by now, but Thrive Market. I've been a member of Thrive Market, oh my goodness, for such a long time since before like anybody on Instagram was you know, influencing it or whatever. Uh, I just have always loved this market. It's a little bit more of like, it's not like Azure. It's a little bit more of, um, think of your, your local natural green foods market where it's very small and they have a limited number of products, but you like it because it's all the kind of products that are tailored to maybe your aesthetic or your diet preferences or eating organic or whatever. Um, and so like all of all of the picture all of those products in on a Thrive Market, on this Thrive Market website. And you it's kind of like Costco where you pay a um, yearly membership fee, but then everything is discounted. So if you order from them, even just a couple times, you already make back the membership fee. Uh, and I have price checked uh, a lot of things between Thrive Market and Azure. And there are definitely things that Thrive Market has at a discounted price that Azure doesn't have. So I sort of <laughs> figured that out that whole, um, 
game. And so now I know what I buy from Azure and I know what I buy from Thrive uh, Market. So if you're interested, like I said, in working with both of these resources, you can check out the links in the show notes so that you can look further into that. Uh, my link to Thrive Market as well, you'll get like a special 30, I think it's, you'll get 30% off your first order um, and a $60 gift. That first gift that they give you when you sign up is like so luxe. Um, they usually have really good things to choose from too. So that's always fun. Okay. So in, in the theme of buying things in bulk, now we're going to move into um, whole animal shares. Okay. So if you are a meat eater, if you like to eat a lot of animal products, it really just, I can't make sense of it any other way, but to say that you should, you could be buying whole animal shares. Okay. So that means connecting with a local farm and buying either like a whole cow or a half cow. Um, and some, you know, the cow is the most popular animal share probably because of its size. But I, depending on the farm, you can probably go in on other types of animals as well. And again, if we are looking at price per pound, you get such a better deal than if you are buying a steak here, a pound of ground beef there, et cetera, et cetera, in pieces, right? Now, of course, again, this requires you to reprioritize how you spend your money because going in on a whole cow is going to cost like, well, I don't know, a whole cow obviously at least over a thousand dollars. Okay. Um, there are different ways you can do this. You can either, uh, save up your money in anticipation of this. You can also go in on a whole animal with other families in your neighborhood. So find other people who also want to go in on a whole animal share or even a half animal share, and then you can split everything up. That's another more affordable way to do it. The other thing to take into consideration is that if you do this, you're going to need a deep freezer, right? You're going to need somewhere to put it because this is food that is supposed to nourish you for many months ahead. Um, This is very different from going to the market and picking out what you want to eat once a week, right? We're thinking long-term, right? Long-term well-being, long-term nourishment. So uh, I encourage you to look into whole animal shares. Like I said, if it's a little bit too out there or it would just, even if you were on a budget, it would take you too long to save up for it. Um, You can consider going in on that with uh, friends or family who might be interested Um, or people, even people who might not be interested. I mean, look, even if someone is not interested in like pasture raised, da, 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 I guarantee you everybody is interested in saving money. So all you need to do is find somebody who's interested in saving money and you can probably get them to go in on this with you. Um, Same thing for the deep freezer situation. Maybe you have a friend who has a deep freezer, but you don't. Can you strike up some kind of a barter so that maybe you can split a whole animal and use her deep freezer, but in exchange, you are going to make her beautiful herbal medicines or something like that, right? I'm sure we can get creative, right? This is the new earth paradigm after all. Okay. So the next tip is to, of course, um, use everything, right? Especially if we are in this new mindset of buying whole animals and um, stuff like that. Whole plant and animal, 
nutrition, right? So we're using everything. The easiest example for this is to turn um, carcasses and vegetable scraps into broths and stocks. That is the most popular way that we kind of think of repurposing food, right? Um, like if you uh, if you cook a whole chicken and then there's the bones left, oh my God, my heart, don't, don't, don't throw them away. Okay, don't throw them away. There are so much more nutrients, there's a whole other meal in there, right? And you can look at this through, through lots of other things. Like um, my partner, Alex, he's usually in charge of preparing beans and stuff like that. And I, I don't know if he uses, he, he's told me in the past that you could use the bean water even for like tons. Like, so like literally everything you make can be repurposed um, or used more than once, right? Even like tea, if you make a tea, like do not make a tea and then throw away the herbs, make like two more teas. <laughs> make tea until the water comes out clear. <laughs> okay. Like we can be extracting so much more nourishment um, from a lot of our foods uh, in ways that we're, we're just not accustomed to thinking about because most of us grew up in a culture of convenience and one and done type of mentality. So yeah, just make sure you're using everything. And like, again, like the broth thing, like that's like a super easy example, but I'm sure there are Instagram reels and blog posts and YouTube videos and podcast episodes. So it's out there all about just this subject about how to get the most out of your food. So that is another way that you can um, save money. Okay, the next point is to cook everything from scratch, okay? And this cooking aspect is also going to come up in our next section about nourishment itself, right? So we want to be cooking everything from scratch. It's obviously cheaper to bake your own cake than it is to buy some gourmet thing at the baker's down the street. Just naturally, it's going to be because you're buying the raw materials and you're putting in all the labor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you are the kind of person who is like, oh my God, again, we'll do with the broth again as an example, right? If you are buying boxed broth at the store, I said that in a very judgmental tone. I'm really sorry. Um, if, <laughs> if you are buying boxed broth at the store, just stop just let's let's you let's use that as like your entryway into cooking things from scratch okay like i said if you just bake a chicken once a week which is probably like actually the most affordable way it is because i've done all the price checking till my head has popped off it, it b- baking a whole chicken is like the most affordable way to put animal protein in your family's body for multiple meals And then in addition to that, you have the bones, which you can usually get two rounds of broth out of, okay? So it go, one chicken goes a long way. And I know that they're a lot more expensive than they used to be, but still, in comparison to all of the other animal products, it's still the most cost-effective option. So if you buy a whole chicken, you can easily take those bones, turn them into broth, save the broth. If you're not into drinking bone broth for breakfast and all of this stuff, it's fine. It's totally fine. Just save it for like your next meal. Save it for your next soup. It will taste so much better. It will taste so much better than the store-bought broth, so much more nutrient-dense. You'll save money, okay? Do we see the theme? 
Um, what's another thing you can cook from scratch? I'm pretty sure if you bake your own bread, it's going to be cheaper than buying these, like some of these like health breads, like at the stores, like so they're, they're just so crazy expensive. Um, and again, you can buy like the flour in bulk from Azure. I know the price of flour also went up too, but if you buy it in bulk, uh, and you're just working with a very simple sourdough recipe or something like that, uh, a lot, it's going to be a lot more affordable. Pretty much cooking anything from scratch is going to be more affordable. So that's another way, um, to save money. So the next tip is to consider collecting spring water. Okay. Spring water is free and it doesn't require filtration. It has already been filtered by Mother Nature's beautiful, perfect design. Now, some people might not agree with this. They might say, okay, well, you know, you have to test it and there might be bacteria and contamination. And yeah, sure, I guess that is obviously true in some situations. I don't know. I have collected from springs uh, all over the country at this point and in in doing that, I have become the spring. I, I trust the spring. I have been with the spring. My family has never gotten sick. We've drank water from springs that haven't been tested in years. It's just has worked out fine for us. So do what you feel comfortable with. I'm also going to put a link to the Find a Spring website in the show notes so that you can take a look there and see if there's one near you. Um, Again, near is going to be objective. I think if you really prioritize your nourishment, you'd be surprised what you're going to consider near. (laughs) My family um, has definitely driven over 30 minutes out of our way to do things like collect food and water. Of course, if you are driving far to collect spring water, you want to think of a strategy to collect as much as you can in a single trip so that maybe you don't have to go more often than like once a month. Uh, and you can start, you can, you can like, a, not habit stack, but like, a, what's it called? errand stack, right? So like maybe you could you could figure it out. So like you could find out, oh, well, there's this Azure drop-off location and it's out of the way, but it's also really close to the spring. So then you can kind of decide, okay, once a month we're going to do this big family trip and we're going to go get our Azure pickup and then we're going to go collect water at the spring and then we're going to be good for like a whole month. Like see how you can kind of Get crafty, right? Look at a map. Start figuring out where you are and how you can uh, make all of this work for you. Okay, so the next thing is to cultivate a skill set for wild crafting. Um, this past summer, we noticed that our, or rather Alex's parents' lawn and garden space were overflowing with dandelions. And I don't know if you've ever tried to buy dandelions in a health food store, but they are ridiculously expensive. Like $6 for this little bundle of weeds. Isn't it funny how our culture likes to think that these extremely incredible plants are weeds, but then when you can, you know, commodify them, they become phenomenally expensive. Um, 
Yeah. So we said, screw that. And I developed a dedication to going out in the mornings and harvesting dandelion greens from the lawn. And it doesn't really sound that revolutionary, but I think for most of us, growing up in households where like your parents would practically pay you an additional allowance just to pull all the dandelions out of the lawn and throw them away. Of course, you know, the ones that survived all of the glyphosate poisoning, it feels like it feels very radical to go into the backyard and just pull weeds out of the ground and then eat them for breakfast. And by the way, this is free. (laughs) They're free. They just, they are there for the sustenance of your life. Um, So yeah, learning how to start wild harvesting food. Now, dandelions were my introduction into this practice, and they can be for almost anyone's uh, because they're very easily identifiable and they grow pretty much everywhere, right? You don't even have to go into the woods to to find a dandelion. Of course, you want to make sure that you're pulling them from lawns that, you know, preferably weren't sprayed and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to talk about the psychology of knowing that kind of information um, in the next section. Uh, So yeah, getting into a wild harvesting practice. And of course, this can extend into mushrooms and yeah, just all kinds of different sorts of plants. Um, I actually wish I had a really great book or something to recommend to you to get started with wild harvesting or wild crafting, Uh, but the only person that comes to mind is April Graham's YouTube channel, whom I've learned a lot from about, like, she knows she's no frills. She knows that everyone is smart enough to do this work and be an herbalist. Uh, So it's basically just videos of her identifying plants in the wild and explaining to you what they um, do, what they do. So I'll link her YouTube channel in the show notes so that you can check that out. They're mostly going to be medicinal herbs, um, but that is also a way to save money as well, right? Why are you going to buy this incredibly overpriced tea bagged situation at the market when you can just like fucking pull them out of the ground in the backyard, right? Okay. Um, and the whole buying in bulk thing also, like I, I, maybe I already said this, goes for the plants as well, right? Like if you are really into your teas or especially if you are into infusions and you're working with a lot of plants, please consider buying them in bulk because the whole tea bag thing, first of all, you know, most of them are made out of plastic, okay? So why, why, why would we do this to ourselves? Um, most of the tea bags are made out of plastic. The tea, the material itself is probably at that point by the time it gets to you, who, who knows how old and how oxidized, um, you know, and, and, and it's just a total ripoff. If you like actually cut open a tea bag and pour out the herbs that are in there and then compare it again, think unit pricing, right? Price per ounce of the herb, um, you're just totally getting ripped off. So I really encourage you to consider bulk buying for the herbs as well. And maybe I'll also, I'll, I'll try to remember to put some places, not just Azure, that I like to buy herbs from in the show notes as well, um, specifically in bulk. 
Okay, so that's that, wild harvesting. Okay, so then the next thing is to consider gardening, even in um, small ways. Even if you have never gardened before or you're in an apartment or whatever, where there's a will, there's a way. And you can grow an incredible amount of plants, even medicinal plants in containers. Like if you have been following me since even the Montreal days, actually, Montreal is when I started my container garden on the little deck that we had out behind our apartment. And I've been growing motherwort and catnip and St. John's wort and just like all kinds of medicinal plants that you normally would think of as having to be in the ground. Um, I've grown potatoes in the container, containers, ginger, like, oh, this is another thing in terms of like reusing the food, right? If you have potatoes or like ginger or turmeric that starts sprouting, you can plant that, okay? You can plant those and they will make more of themselves <laughs> and you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you, just, you just put it in the soil. Um, don't be too precious about it. I had no idea what I was doing when I did any of this. I just said, okay, I'm going to put it in a, in a pot of, of dirt and see what happens. And guess what? I had more potatoes. I had more ginger. So, um, yeah, if you, if you have, uh, again, I think you can even do this with carrots and stuff like that. There's like, there's probably again, like YouTube videos and other things that will just go on about how you can plant vegetable scraps to make more of them. So that's like another another point. Um, but yeah, consider gardening because I don't know if you've ever checked, but a packet of seeds that has like 100 seeds in it usually costs $2 and something cents, okay? So that is way less than the cost of the end product itself. Um, you can grow more things than you think in containers as well. Like I said, if you're not ready to just go all in with, you know, tilling the soil and setting up your contain, like, you know, whatever, whatever's trendy these days. I think those raised beds, people are st- still doing the raised beds and stuff like that. So yeah, consider um, gardening. Okay. And I, I personally think these last few notes, the gardening, the wild harvesting, collecting spring water, this all falls under the umbrella of being involved in your nourishment, which is going to increase your nourishment. And we're about to talk about that soon. So my last, um, my last tip for the uh, doing this on a budget section of the podcast is to stop buying so many goddamn supplements. Stop buying them. Stop buying them. You don't need them. I promise. (laughs) They're so expensive. They're so expensive. Okay. And they're probably not doing you any favors. Again, I highly recommend that you listen to the Ask Me Anything recording that I just released a few days ago. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. These supplements are usually not what you think they are. Uh, first of all. Second of all, they completely bypass all of your body's requirements for digestion. Okay, there's nothing ancestral about them. I don't care like what they put on the bottle. I I guarantee you our ancestresses did not take little capsules out of plastic bottles that were shipped to them from halfway across the world. Like they just didn't. And I know you're going to say all the tropes, right? Oh, the soil is depleted and there's more stress than ever before and everything is toxic and it's different times. And like, I'm sorry, all of those things can be addressed at the root cause. 
We do not need more shit and more scientism and more gadgets and more, you know, just buying the things creates stress for people. They do. You know how I know? Because I don't have a single client who has felt fully good about not taking the supplements. There's always resistance on some level. And it's usually accompanied by some kind of anxiety, like they can't be well without these things. What does that sound like to you? That sounds to me like an addiction, okay? So I could go on about this forever, but I'm just saying you will save so much money if you stop buying these things. I know they have beautiful packaging. I know all the amazing influencers are taking them and they just seem so happy behind their Instagram filters. It's not worth it. You don't need them. Okay, if you really want to be nourished through multivitamins and minerals, whole plant and animal, whole plant and animal, I promise you, you will have more bioavail, you will find more bioavailable nutrition in a nettles infusion than you will in anything you can get off the market. I promise you. <sighs> okay. Let's go in to part two. Wow, I've already been talking for almost an hour. I'm always amazed. My partner is not. (laughs) I'm so chatty. Okay. Part two. Let's talk about nourishment. Let's talk about how to be truly nourished off of a diet. Okay. We're not going to... Any of the foods that I've been mentioning so far are just for example. You understand that, right? I'm not actually like... This isn't like a... This is what we're eating. Hashtag 2024 live in my best life diet recommendations, right? Okay, this is like just we're, we're talking through examples um, about how you can be in relationship with your food. So this section, we're going to talk about nourishment, how to be truly nourished. Let's start with digestion. Okay, digestion, the quality of your digestion, in my opinion, equals the quality of your nourishment big time. If you are not digesting and assimilating your food, it doesn't matter what you're putting into your body. It won't because you're just going to poop it out. It's it's not you're not you're not even going to take in any of it. That's the whole point of digestion is to properly break down and assimilate the food. You want to become the food, okay? We don't just want to make it look pretty on a plate so that you can feel good about it, think that you're doing the right thing, think that it looks like the influencer's plate. Like, no, you need to digest the food. So what do you need to do in order to make sure you're digesting your food? The first thing is that you need to have an appetite. Okay, like a true appetite, not a I'm sad, I'm angry, I have anxiety, I should be eating now, so I'm going to force it. Okay, none of that. Sometimes I wonder what these women are doing who are going pro-metabolic and like just are not used to eating regularly at all. Like I know that you're supposed to retrain yourself to actually feed yourself and also like you need to have an appetite to digest this shit. You can't just like shove it in because you set a timer off that like, oh, now I have to have my 500 calorie snack. Okay. You need to have an appetite. If your appetite is not there, or if you don't, if you have a hard time reading your body's signals that you know what is a true appetite versus what is stress and anxiety, these are all things that you need to work on us on a psycho emotional level. 
which is beyond what we can talk about in this podcast. But it's just something to consider. Um, So you need to have an appetite. Then you need to prepare your body for digestion. Okay, so how do we do that? We're not going to do that through taking bitters. We're not going to do that through taking enzymes. Okay, we want to stimulate the body to be able to digest its own food. So in order for the body to do that, it needs to see what you're eating. It needs to smell what you're eating. It needs to taste what you're eating, meaning you need to be involved in the preparation of your food. Okay, and I personally think that this actually begins at the market, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on my list about how you collect your food. I think it, I think it even begins at that point. Um, so yeah, so you want to be involved in the preparation of your food. You don't want to be ordering takeout. You don't want to be letting your husband do all of the work for you while you're in the next room wrangling children or stress working at your computer or scrolling on Instagram, right? Like you need to be involved in preparing your food. This is going to be more powerful than any herbal tincture bitter that you could possibly take, which is probably going to cause more problems, honestly. You can't just bypass all of these steps and then take a bitters before you eat dinner, right? That's not how it works. (laughs) So this is also part of it. Okay, so then you also want to make sure you're chewing thoroughly, All right, chewing thoroughly. If you're having any kind of digestive stress whatsoever, and especially if you are seeing undigested food in your stool, you probably don't need some kind of fancy intervention. You just need to massively slow down how you're eating. Okay, chew your food. Start paying attention to that. Try not to like put food in your mouth and then start talking at the dinner table through your food and your chewing. I used to do this all. I probably still do this sometimes. It's a habit. Okay, we're working on it. You need to chew your chew your food. The other thing, next point that feeds into digestion, stress management. Okay, I know everyone talks about this. I know you've heard this a billion times. It's probably the only trope in wellness that has stood the test of time because, of course, it's relevant. You need to manage your stress. If you don't feel good, if you're spending half your day in fight or flight, if you're lying awake at night, like churning through all these horrific thoughts in your brain because you don't know how to manage your mental state or your life, like you're not digesting your food. You're just not. Your body is sending all of its energy and adrenaline out into other centers and it's not going to be, quote unquote, resting and digesting, as they say. Okay, so you really want to pay attention to stress management. I mean, you especially don't want to be stressed out while you're eating, right? So like if even if you're hungry and then something happens and all of a sudden you're activated, I really encourage you to just delay your meal. It's going to be healthier for you to delay your meal even when you're not supposed to delay your meal, quote unquote, like for example, breakfast or something, it's like it's going to be healthier for you to delay your meal and eat when you've calmed down and you're regulated than just to think, oh, I'm just going to shove this into my face because I have to eat or I should eat, even though I'm all activated and triggered and stressed out. Okay, so obviously, um, you know, your, your state at meal times is important. This is going to go for the whole family too. You can't be arguing with your spouse in front of your kids at the dinner table. Now they're not digesting their food either. Okay. This is like a whole family affair. 
Um, but you also want to look at the rest of your life, right? Because if you have a nice breakfast and everything's all good, but then you go sit at your computer and you're doing like remote work for someone that you hate and it's stressing you out and now your food is just sitting in your stomach like a rock and you're like not digesting any of it, okay? So stress management is going to have a huge impact on your nourishment. So the next tip um, is to pray over your food. Whether it is while you're cooking, I personally think cooking is a prayer and I see it that way. It's one of the ways in which I feel more motivated personally to be involved in my nourishment, but you have to find what works for you. Um, Pray over your food. Pray while you're cooking. Pray while you're stirring the soup. Pray before you eat in whatever way feels authentic to you. I, I really do believe that it has a phenomenal impact energetically in the in the quantum way however you want to relate to this to how much nourishment you can get out of that food regardless of the quality of the food so that kind of also aligns with digestion and the whole preparing your food tip as well Um, It helps, it it augments, potentiates your experience when you're preparing your food if you also do so with prayer. Okay, so the next tip is to kind of take stock of how well you're sleeping, all right? Sleep is so foundational to how our bodies function and how we experience the next waking days of our life. And if you are not sleeping well, if you're getting less than eight hours of sleep a night, I mean, some people say seven hours, I don't know, I think most people need at least eight, but you know your body better than I do, obviously. So you judge. Um, If you're getting less than eight hours of sleep, if you have very highly disturbed sleep, like waking up in the middle of the night or waking up to use the bathroom, things like that. Of course, this is going to be different for our mothers, right? Mothers are on completely different frequencies when we're co-sleeping with small infants and such. Um, we are aligning to the needs of the child's sleep cycles, right? So don't feel stressed out like you're not going to be well because you're co-sleeping with your infant. And please do not think that this is like a suggestion to no longer co-sleep with your infant. That is beyond the scope of this podcast, but it is much um, healthier for everyone's well-being, the entire family, if you are co-sleeping with that child. And of course, at some point, you know, As they grow older, you have to decide and be the judge of when it is no longer serving you to co-sleep with older children, younger children. I don't know, however you want to, older than infants. (laughs) Um, So yes. Uh, so yeah, take take account of how well you are sleeping, and if you are not sleeping well, that is something that you may want to address. Okay, so this is going to also impact your nourishment. The next tip: utilize sun therapy. Okay, your relationship with light is going to change how you digest and metabolize your food. right? Exposure to sun changes cholesterol levels. It changes blood sugar levels. It does so much for our bodies 
to regulate our bodies, how we sleep, um, our microbiome, how our microbiome is flourishing or not flourishing, right? This is all going to be impacted by being in right relationship with sun. I'm going to do a whole separate podcast episode about sun because it's beyond the scope of this conversation. But if you have been kind of putting off reorganizing your lifestyle around that, I suggest, and, and you are concerned about nourishment, I suggest that you take this part of your wellness more seriously. So that's that. Okay. My next tip is to stop drinking so much water. (laughs) This whole like chugging water thing that started in like the 90s or or whenever it was the 90s. I feel like the 90s to me makes me think of iceberg lettuce salads and water and Kate Moss. I think it started in the 90s. This whole drinking tons of water thing to be healthy is a farce, okay? None of our ancestors did that. (laughs) Talk about ancestral living, especially if you think about them being nomadic and how heavy water is. You can't possibly carry all of the water that your entire community needs while you're wandering from one river to another. Um... So yeah, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think about it. And there are plenty of studies out there at this point that have shown now that drinking a lot of water really just dilutes your electrolyte mineral levels. It dilutes your stomach acid, which is not going to be helpful if you have digestive problems, right? And it's not nourishing you. And this, of course, has a lot to do with the fact that most people are drinking totally dead, polluted water that's coming out of the tap, blah, blah, blah. So again, this is also why I put the sourcing of spring water in the money-saving part of this talk, but it is also can contribute to your nourishment as well. Just because, it, again, it like it comes from the ground. Like it, it's, it has its own naturally forming combination of minerals. It is filtered in a way that only makes sense for mother nature to do so. Um, so yeah, but those, those, the minerals being present in the water is a big piece to why some waters can be more hydrating than others. So if you are a big water person, please at least consider putting mineral drops or a pinch of salt in there, um, a squeeze of lemon, something to just add nutrition to the water. Okay. Your body requires the water to be present with nutrition in order for it to properly assimilate it. Otherwise, you're just going to pee it out. It's going to strip you of all your nutrients, not all your nutrients. I don't want to be dramatic, but you know, it's going to, it's going to lower your electrolyte levels. It's going to reduce your stomach acid. It's net not going to have a very positive effect, right? Okay. So you want to hold, hold on to the nutrients. Um, so yeah, stop drinking so much water, consider switching to other beverages, um, or even looking to your food. To actually hydrate you because food is hydrating, right? Vegetables and fruits contain like water in its perfect crystallized fourth phase, whatever you want to call it, easy um, state, 
right? And it, and it comes with all of the perfectly balanced minerals and nutrients uh, that your body knows and recognizes and can actually utilize and assimilate. So you might consider hydrating through your foods. You might consider hydrating through drinking milk or juices or um, herbal infusions. I could live off of herbal infusions. Um, Yeah, I actually want to kind of do an experiment where I don't really drink any plain water and see what happens. I think I did that by accident once and I didn't even notice. So... Yeah, consider swapping out water for other uh, beverages. And you might notice that you don't need to drink as much or you are not as thirsty as you used to be. So that's my other tip there. Okay, the next tip, kind of similar to stuff that we talked about in the previous section, consider consuming local foods that are in season. And this, of course, also includes like if you're wild crafting, naturally those foods are going to be local and in season. Um, and if you're gardening, they will be as well. So this also can, it, it can mean that you're going to local farm stands or it can mean that you're wild crafting and gardening or you're doing all of the above. And the reason for this is that when you are eating in this way, right, this is the way in which our body were kind of designed to consume food, right? This is how we've always known how to eat food because a long time ago, and even really not that long, much of a long time ago, it wasn't possible to buy a papaya in Brooklyn in February. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense just logically speaking, but it also doesn't make sense to our bodies on like a quantum biological level, especially when you start... Um, start acknowledging that all of these foods really contain light codes, if you will, right? They are light, synthesized, and turned into nourishment. And so they have a certain language or frequency to them, just in the same way that you also share that frequency by going out and being in right relationship with light in whatever season or whatever, you know, line of latitude or is it longitude or whatever, wherever you live, right? Um, so now your body is, you're, you're being more, you know, intentional with your relationship with light and your body is more appropriately programmed to nature and your environment. But now you're eating this food that has its own programming and its own association with a place that is completely unrelated to where you are, right? And there's there's more science to this. Like there's all the whole deuterium depleted water thing and stuff like that. If you're really geeky about it, you can look into it. Um, maybe I'll put a link to a, a good podcast episode about that in the show notes. But you don't really need to know this stuff, right? Like you just keep it simple. Like what makes sense? Eating foods that is available and local, right? Um, It's going to assist with, it's going to be more nutrient dense, right? Nutrient dense. Even if it's a tomato, a tomato can be nutrient dense if you are buying one that came out of your garden, buying one, picking one out of your garden or buying one from the local farm rather than collecting one from a store that came from Mexico. Okay. So this is, um, yeah, this is a way in which we can dial in to our nourishment. Uh, okay, choosing whole foods on the topic of consuming local foods. We're, we also want to be choosing whole foods, okay? I don't care what it is. I don't care what the quality is. I don't care if you can afford organic, okay? I actually don't. 
I care more that you're choosing whole foods. Does it come out of a package or can you actually see what the food looks like, right? Like, is it a whole clove of garlic or not? Is it like the whole animal, even like in terms of like, like, I think it's so weird that you can go to the market and buy pieces of birds, <laughs> like just a package of bird legs. Like, I, I think, I think that's so weird. Like, don't, why just buy the whole bird. <laughs> and again, I'm sure like if you look at the unit price, right, it's probably going to end up being more expensive. Sometimes not. Sometimes you'd be surprised. But for the most part, the least amount of processing the food requires, the less money it's going to cost, right? Because if more labor has to go into making the food item, then they're going to have to jack up the price for all those extra steps. But anyway, we want to be choosing whole foods um, because when you buy packaged items, it's just like the supplements. You kind of don't know what you're getting. You just don't know what you're getting. And yes, you can argue, well, you don't know what's on the tomato because it could be covered in glyphosate and all this stuff. And what do they inject into the animals? And like, yes, I know. We're going to talk about that at the end. But just for now, choose whole foods. Okay. Um, And while you're choosing these whole foods, I want you to consider where you're sourcing the food from. I want to invite you to make sourcing food a spiritual exchange, all right, as it once used to be, as it once used to be, because we once used to live very close to the land and we were tending to our plants or wildcrafting our plants or hunting, right? And so sourcing food was a spiritual exchange with Gaia, with the fabric of consciousness, okay? And I know it's kind of hard to go from (laughs) that kind of talk to saying, well, I'm just going to go down to my local Costco under fluorescent lights and all the crowds to blah, 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 pick my thing up off the shelf, and how is that a spiritual exchange? Okay, let's just try to reorient to it as though it is. And if you start orienting to it as though it is, how will that then motivate you to change how you source the food or to change even how you think about sourcing the food? Okay, placing my Azure order and going to pick it up out of a box in a parking lot off the back of a truck is a spiritual exchange for me because of my intention and why I'm doing that thing and the values that come with it for me that I am being in integrity with by choosing to do this thing, it is still for me a spiritual exchange. Just as much as it is for me to find a new farm 20 minutes away and drive out there and meet the farmer and pet the animal and buy the meat. Or to garden or to plant seeds and watch it grow and then have something to eat four months later, right? These are all These all fall under the category of of a spiritual exchange, and it's just a matter of becoming conscious of it, okay? It also is going to change that kind of like first, first, first step to digestion, which is the step of sourcing the food and bringing it home before you actually then prepare the food and then prepare the body to digest that food. So... When you are in this energetic relationship with food, it might change your attitude towards how you want to pursue that. Maybe you do decide that you want to drive out of your way to go to the market that's less stressful 
that makes you feel good when you're there, right? Because I think like a lot of people are used to like the scene at the superstore with like the kids running around and the mom is stressed out and yelling at everybody and there's crowds and it's like the lights don't make you feel good and the store is so huge you're in there for way longer than you intend to be and you buy things that you didn't even intend to buy and it's like this thing that you just want to go in there and get it over with that doesn't sound like a spiritual exchange to me and that doesn't sound like a way in which you can adequately manage your stress so that you can digest all of this incredible food that you are buying there, right? So start to approach how you source your food as a spiritual exchange. Um, And the way in which you wildcraft, collect spring water, all of this falls under this category, right? Okay, last one. This is the last tip. My last tip. Oh wait, no. I have another one came to me. Okay, one more, and then and then and then the last one. (laughs) One more that I want to say too is to consider optimizing your microbiome. Okay, and I'm not talking about buying probiotics. They frankly don't even make any sense to me because there are literally hundreds of strains of bacteria that live in your gut. And you're telling me that I'm going to take a capsule with two strains in it and it's going to heal me. Okay, whatever. Optimize your microbiome through your relationship with light and through your relationship with the earth and through your relationship with food. Okay, because what you eat is going to nourish the various species in your microbiome. So if you eat McDonald's, it's going to nourish a very different environment than if you eat, I don't know, potato soup, whatever. Um, Being in relationship with light is going to influence the health of your microbiome. And being in relationship with the earth is going to influence your microbiome. So as you see how some of these points tick a lot of boxes, like if you're out there in the woods wildcrafting for fun, now you're in spiritual exchange with sourcing your food. Now you're in right relationship with light. Now you're in right relationship with the earth. Now you're saving money because you're harvesting food that's free. Okay, so a lot of these all overlap one another. So what was I saying? So yes, consider optimizing your microbiome through lifestyle, not through these kinds of other weird, um, you know, probiotic supplement methods. And honestly, like the the only probiotics that are supposedly any good, whatever that means, are so, again, so expensive, so expensive. Just go outside, go into the woods. Go into the woods where you don't have to worry about whether or not the neighbors are spraying glyphosate and put your feet in the dirt, okay? I don't even wear, I don't even own hiking shoes. I don't even understand why they exist. Just take off your shoes, go for a hike in the woods, sit on the edge of a stream, rub some leaves on your face. Like, I'm not kidding. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Just Share, breathe, okay? Like share in the microbiome of your local environment, all right? Optimize your microbiome. It will help with your nourishment and your digestion. And of course, there are are supposedly diets and all different kinds of things that you can eat to help with this. That is not my 
specialty. And that's not what we're here to talk about. But I think that there are some other ways that you can assist with that. And of course, any supplements you're taking, any drugs that you're taking are going to damage the microbiome or at least impact it in one way or another. Okay, that's something else to consider. All of these concoctions that you're putting in there, drugs and whatnot. So, okay. Um, All right. Now the last point is choose foods that you feel good about eating. And what I mean by that is listen, tune in to your programming a little bit here. Because I know at this point, probably anybody who's listening has some kind of feeling one way or another about food. Okay, to the point where it might even generate anxiety about eating things that you don't trust in or believe are going to be good for you. Okay, if it gives you too much anxiety to go buy apples from the local farm because you know they're not organic, then just don't do it and don't stress out about it so much. Okay, until you can start unraveling all of the programming and the psychology that you have plugged into you at this point about food, it's going to matter more how you feel about the food than whether or not it's like actually organic. Okay, because even if you go to a market and buy everything organic, it's still not actually guaranteed that it is what you think that you are eating. Okay, it's just not. We've seen this with the supplements. We've seen this with the recalls. We've seen this with the, you know, this is not actually that exposés and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you just can't know for sure. So just pay attention to your programming around food and eat what you feel good eating. If you are so inundated with like Weston A. Price and pro-metabolic and blah, 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 and this is just how you feel good eating, then just go with that for now. Okay. Maybe it is working for you and that's great, right? I don't know. I can't, I can't, no, no one in this audience is going to be able to eat exactly the same way as somebody else in this audience. It's just not possible, especially when you're looking at this list and you're seeing, wow, a lot of this has to do with where I live. A lot of this has to do with what season it is. A lot of this has to do with what's growing in my backyard or how close the nearest spring is. And it's like, yeah, like, It's going to look radically different for all of you. And then we all are running through these programs, right? About like what we think is good or bad for us to eat. So if something stresses you out because you just have too much, you just know too much about how it could be bad for you, then just don't eat it. Don't force yourself to eat it. Okay. Now, obviously I think the goal is to at some point advance beyond these programs so that we can just enjoy life and not have to constantly be eating perfectly in order to feel safe. You know, I would like to, I would like that for all of us. Like you, obviously, yes, we want to be responsible consumers and we want to change how food production looks and we want to save the farms and the land. And of course, all of that is important, but it shouldn't be at the expense of your own health. That completely defies the whole purpose. Okay. So eat what feels good to you to eat in keeping with the whole foods and the spiritual exchange and making from scratch and preparing your own food, blah, blah, blah. If you follow these core tenets, you're probably not going to end up eating anything that is going to make you drop dead, right? Okay. If you recognize that you 
have a really hard time with diet or with feeling safe with food or with navigating all of these trends and you just want to hit the reset button, I highly recommend you watch Dr. Cassie Huckabee's Truth About Nutrition Masterclass. It is absolutely worth worth it to invest in that if you are falling under this category where you feel like you just need to hit the reset button, erase everything you think you know about nutrition, and start falling in love with food again. Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes along with everything else we talked about today. Okay, so we did it. We did it. That was a long, wonderful list of, I think, some really helpful tips. Please don't feel like you have to change everything in your life all at once. Just assimilate sleep on it. Maybe you come back to this and you decide that you want to start by changing just one thing um, at a time. You might also need a period of time in which you just need to think about making the change before you actually do it. That is a really important and um, common part of the process of changing. So don't feel bad or like you're not, you know, you just can't handle it if you just need to spend time thinking about it before you actually do anything. Um, And of course, if you are a paying supporter of the show, you will have access to everything I just discussed in list form. So you don't have to come back and listen to me blabbering on for over an hour each time you want to remind yourself about the kinds of things that you might want to be focusing on. And a link to that list will be in the show notes. Okay, Um, next week, or I guess suppose this upcoming week, I think I'll be coming out with the next entry to the Cosmic Conception Diaries, which is going to outline what... I am making my medicine um, in my personal preconception journey and all of the big changes that I have been making in my lifestyle to increase my nourishment. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about some specific details around that, how I personally spent a month preparing to change before I actually did any change, um make any changes, then you're also going to want to hit the subscribe button so that you get that in your inbox as well. So that's it for this week and I will see you next time.